Well, good morning. Great to see you all this morning at LifePoint Church. Uh, my name is Joel Close, and I'm the worship arts pastor here. So this is a little bit different role for me this morning, but I'm excited to have the opportunity. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. Donnie lost a bet. No, that's not true. Our lead pastor, Donnie, didn't lose a bet. I lost a bet, and here I am. Um, now, I'm excited to be a part of this series because this series has... Uh, Man, it gets, it gets to the heart of things, doesn't it? It, it? We're talking about monsters, those things that we have in our lives that we kind of hide in the dark and maybe no one else knows about them and they become bigger than life and they, they really start to take over our lives. And God wants us to shine his light on those areas in our life that we, that we hide and that these monsters grow in the dark. So that's what we're here to do this morning I want to uh, start by reading uh, a few, a list of, of, of a few things and see if you can see what these things have in common, okay? Here we go. Eating, I said eating, mattresses, sleeping with a blow dryer, and I know you're wondering, is the blow dryer on, Joel? Yes, the blow dryer is on. Drinking household cleaners, marrying a doll, picking your scabs, mm, eating deodorant, and dating a car. You know what those have in common? Some of you already do because you have cable and you're guilty of watching this show called My Strange Addictions. It's on the Learning Channel. And uh, yeah, everyone's laughing. It's on the Learning Channel, yeah. Um, It's funny what you can learn nowadays. So you might think, you know, these are really, really weird things. And, And to be sure, some of these are psychological issues, these are behavioral issues, but, but nonetheless, it doesn't make them any less of a monster in these people's lives. These are things that control these people. I want to read a description from one of the shows. This is a featured person on one of the shows. It says this, Evan enjoys pulling hair from shower drains. In social situations, he heads straight to the bathroom and compulsively pulls hair out of the homeowner's shower drain. You are never inviting anybody else over to your house again, are you? The ritual relieves his anxiety, but the addiction leaves him feeling ashamed. Does everyone feel better about yourself now? We can all go home saying, well, at least I'm not that bad. I'm not picking hair from shower drains. And if you are, we can talk later. It's okay. It's it's all right. But here's what I want to focus on. The last part of what I read The addiction leaves him feeling ashamed. A few weeks ago when we started this series, uh, we started with the monster of shame and how powerful shame can be in our lives and how how it can lead us in our lives in directions that they were never meant to go. And addiction, one thing we need to know about that is that shame is not far behind. Shame is addiction's best friend and comes quickly and comes into the picture When I talk about addiction, when I start on this topic, when I start talking about this monster, it's likely that those in this room have, you've got three postures that you start to take, maybe physically, maybe like, maybe just in your mind, but maybe physically too. And and the first posture would be that of just leaning in a little bit, being okay with this topic. Because maybe you want to know more, maybe someone in your life is struggling with addiction, maybe you are and you've you know that and you've admitted that and you want help and you're seeking any help that you can. 
Maybe you're open to this topic today. Maybe some of you, though, it got like 10 degrees hotter in here all of a sudden. It's just, right? You've, you've turned your phone on, the ringer on, right? And you're texting your friend, call me now. Because that's where you want to be. You want to be through the doors. And that's okay. And, and maybe, maybe this is your attitude this morning. Maybe your posture is just, hmm. Looks like I can play Angry Birds for the next 25 minutes because this doesn't really have to do with me. I don't deal with addiction. I don't know anybody who does, and I don't think I ever will. And so maybe you're just going to be on cruise control for the next 25 minutes and you're going to shut me out. I, I just encourage you to just own whatever posture that word puts you in today. Just own that. Just be okay with that. I mean, let's just... Um, Let's just be willing at least to listen, willing at least to maybe lean a little forward if we're leaning back, if we don't think we have anything to learn this morning, or if we uh, are already sweating it out. Let's just um, open ourselves up to what God might have to say to us this morning. Here's how a psychiatric professional's website describes addiction. Addiction is a persistent compulsive dependence on a behavior or substance. Are you disappointed? You wanted a list, didn't you? I know you did. You're like, oh, here comes the list of things that we can be addicted to. Here's the problem with, with lists. Lists keep us, they, they hinder us from really doing some examination because what happens is we look at a list and if we're not on that list, two thumbs up, nothing wrong with this guy and we move on with our lives, right? That's kind of how we approach lists. And so I think a better a better idea would be to avoid the lists this morning and just let God, again, what this series has been doing, allow to shine a light on us this morning. I want you to know that this topic is um, real to me this morning. Not in a way that I've been affected by someone else's addiction in my life, but in that I've struggled with addiction before. And um, I, I, I want you to know that because... Um, mainly because I want you to listen today and know that I am not being judgmental, um, that I don't come from an attitude of holier than thou. Um, I come speaking with empathy and compassion for anyone today who has or is struggling with addiction. So I want you to know that right away. We want to discover what the Bible has to say about this. It, it doesn't deal with addiction. We don't find the word addiction in the Bible, but we, we can have some, some, we can discover these overarching truths that really can apply to this topic. So our ushers are in the back with Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible today, we encourage you to take this one home with you as a gift because we really believe at LifePoint that this Bible, this book can lead you into a relationship of knowing who God is, knowing his plan for your life and understanding him as savior in your life. So we encourage you to take that with you, and uh, the, the, the uh, scriptures will be on the screen, but you can also turn to them in your Bible as well. And so we're going to do that right away. We're going to turn to 2 Peter 2.19, and Peter was one of Jesus' first followers. So Peter uh, is one of the first disciples, and he has a couple of books in the Bible named after him that he wrote. And in 2 Peter 2.19, uh, he says this, they... And the they refers to false teachers. That's who he's specifically addressing right here. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. 
for you are a slave to whatever controls you. So I think there's an overarching truth there at the end that I found real in my life, a slave to my sin, a slave to my addiction. There's another verse in Romans that I can relate to. Man, this one really, really hits home. Paul was an apostle of Christ that came just a little bit after the first disciples, and he wrote a majority of our New Testament. He wrote a good chunk of it anyway, and he writes this to the church in Rome in Romans 7, 14 through 15. He says, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I don't know about you, I can relate to that verse this morning. But, but I want you to notice something right off the bat that Paul does. Paul owns the issue here. He owns his sin. He owns his problem. It says, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritually and good. The trouble is with me. Now, Paul, he, he's a Jew, and he, he had all the reasons in the world to blame the law because the law was lengthy, a huge list of do's and do nots. And it was hard to keep to the letter of the law. Very, very difficult. And when they would miss the mark and they would sin, they could have easily said, there's no way I can keep this. There is no, it's not possible. I blame the law in itself for not being able to stay pure but he doesn't do that. And so this is what we need to do. We need to understand and take Paul's example. If we are to deal with the monster of addiction in our lives, we must own it. We must own it. We must not point fingers, but isn't that so much easier for me in 2001 to, to know in my heart what was going on and to keep that inside for years and then to verbalize that out loud so that not only my ears could hear that, but somebody else, and just let that sit in the air was a huge moment for me. Owning it, admitting it, hearing myself say that, and saying that to someone else was huge. But it's easier to blame, right? I mean, it's so easy. We can get started with the process of getting over our addiction by saying, I admit it. And then we can put the brakes on. We can slam the brakes right after we say that we admit it by saying, but it's because dot, dot, dot. It's because if you knew the stress I was under, Joel, if you knew the stress, you would understand. Or if you had to live with that, (laughs) right, you would understand Or I was born this way. This is just who I am because this is how God made me. Qualifiers put a stop to our healing from addiction. Now, don't get me wrong. It's important to identify the why. I mean, you know, to dig deeper and understand that that oftentimes addictions are symptomatic of something else going on that's deeper. We need to dig and we need to find out because often what can happen is we can just transfer those addictive behaviors to something else. And oftentimes we transfer those to things that look really good. Ever know somebody that exercises like five, six days a week for hours at a time? 
runs like crazy. They're just a runner and they run and run and run and run. Now on the surface, those things aren't bad, but if if these are addictions too, if these consume us, if we're never satisfied with how we look, if we're trying to mask something that's inside of us that needs to be dealt with, I got news for you. If that's you this morning, your monster just has makeup. You just have a monster with makeup on. Socially, it looks good to other people and you've convinced yourself that it's okay. Here's what 1 Corinthians says. Again, kind of a repeat of this issue. And and Paul writes this again. He says, you say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. That brings us to this point. My dependency on anything other than God is idolatry. Now that's an overarching. This morning, if you're not dealing with addiction, if you shut me off for the first five minutes or so, please come back because this goes for all of us. And we, we can put things in God's place so quickly, can't we? So quickly. And, and we read in the Bible just several times that this has happened as examples throughout history. And in our own lives, man, if we're to shine a light, I, idolatry is anything. I mean, your family can be an idol. Your family can become something more important than God and take his place. And again, those things look good. Wow, that guy spends a lot of time with his family or, or that guy you know, does this for his family or whatever. Those things can look good. But just for a moment, let's all kind of deal with the reality that when we put anything in God's place, that is idolatry. But here's great news for all of us. Great news for me. Speaking from, again, experience that God is a patient God. God is a loving God. My God is a gracious God. My God is compassionate toward those like me who need him and struggle. And that is good news for all of us today, that God doesn't leave us to flail and fight on our own. He wants to be invited into this fight and fight for us and fight with us as well. He wants to be an active part of our healing. And, and here's what he does. He, he promises in his word that if we seek him, he will renew our mind. And, and here's the, where it says that in Romans 12. Again, in Romans, uh, Paul is writing. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I love, I love, I love, I love, I love I-N-G. The suffix I-N-G. So simple, right? But the renewing of your mind, the I-N-G means it's ongoing. It's continual. And I love that. Because do I believe that God has, my God, yeah, my God has this power. If you are sick, of, of a physical ailment, my God has the ability, I believe, to heal you in this moment. If you are addicted, if you are, have something in your closet that you need to overcome, that monster, I believe God can help you do that today. However, that's not my path. Is my God any less powerful? No. Is the path I took any less powerful? No. Because it's an ING path. It's a, it's a process path. It's one that I have grown through. I 
and being restored. I am, he is restoring me. He, he, he is renewing me. He is changing me. And I'm so thankful for that this morning. And I want us to look again at the second part of this verse. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, once we start with the renewing, once we start to grasp that and desire that and allow God to do that in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds, then we can know God's perfect will for us. It's good and pleasing and perfect. I love that. And so addiction, according, you know, if we're to reflect on that, addiction robs me then of who God made me to be. It, it takes away, it steals God's intention for me. And it destroys that. I like to use the word, like long before we decided on the title for this series, uh, I've, I've had this analogy in my own life. I call my addiction beast. It's a beast. Not a monster, a beast. I think beast just sounds, you know, it's a beast. You know, it just sounds more angry and because that's exactly how I started to view this problem in my life, that it was a beast that wanted nothing else but to kill me. And so I imagined it with foaming at the mouth and big, nasty, pointy teeth, you know? And I, I, I imagined it as this, uh, this thing that didn't want to be my friend. It didn't want to help me. It wanted to destroy me. And when I started to view it that way, it really changed my perspective and it helped me to attack it. And, 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 and God promises us power to do just that. And, and here's the thing, if you're going to be an addiction, you have to take the offensive. You have to take the offensive. You can't sit back you can't try to make a goal line stand. We're in uh, football season right now, right? So somewhere along the way, probably as we get closer to playoffs, you will hear a coach or a player say, uh, championships are won with defense. Defense wins championships. And they'll say it just like this because this is how football players talk. I imagine. <laughs> so so is that, is that really true? Like if both teams go with a defensive mindset into a game, can anyone win? No. The best you have is a tie, and ties are the dumbest thing in sports ever. Amen, amen. I get a little applause from that. Seriously, you spend all that time on the field, all that time on the court, blood, sweat, and tears. You know, you're out there for an hour and a half, and it's a tie. Everyone's a winner. No, everyone's a loser, <laughs> right? This goes against every form of man code that there possibly could be. In, in our man code, we want a declared winner and a declared loser at the end of this game. And so if we come in to fighting our addiction with defense only, we'll never, ever win. Because what we'll end up doing is, is making this goal line stand and, and, and we'll try to bear down and we'll try to stop. When temptation gets on our door, now is the time we're gonna take action. When temptation's knocking on our door, now we're gonna take action. Do you know what happens? 70, I think it's 77% of the time, I looked this up, that a football team is on the goal line 
they score a touchdown. And it's like 95 or 99% that they can actually score and kick a field goal. So either way, somebody's going to lose. Somebody's going to win. So this morning, I encourage you, if you have been taking a defensive stance against addiction, it's time to take an offensive. This is the analogy that I have in my own life. So I've got this beast, right? And this beast wants nothing more to kill me, throw me at the mouth. And then I have these arrows in my quiver. I have these, these tools to kill the beast. So I don't know why I use archery. It's really dumb because I can't even shoot a bow and arrow. I tried once and I burned my arm with the arrow. It just, you know, I'm terrible. If, if I'm ever shooting a bow and arrow, the safest place to stand is right in front of the target. Just, you can wear a shirt that has red rings on it. I'll miss you, okay? I don't know why I use that analogy, but, I, but I've come to this analogy mainly because I think about the arrows that I've collected over time. And I think about the arrows that I put in my quiver to, to battle addiction. My friend Matt, is a, an arrow. For years, Matt has been an accountability person for me, a friend who understands me, who understands addiction, and he is very, very meaningful to me and somebody who is in, on my side and in my quiver. My wife, my wife is an incredible arrow in my quiver. God's word is a great arrow in my quiver. Prayer is a great arrow in my quiver. And along the way, I've found some that just don't work. They're just not strong enough. They don't work for whatever reason. And I get rid of those. I acknowledge that and I move on and I just collect arrows that are going to help me battle. And so as you notice, I'm talking about a lot about people in my life who've helped me. And I want you to know that no one conquers addiction alone. I know that's a pretty big, bold, blanket statement because you might even be in here this morning and say, well, I did. I, I conquered this and nobody knew about it. I don't know if you want a ribbon or what, but I, I, that's maybe part of the reason that you um, fought it alone is because shame had you bound and and you really didn't deal with the things that needed to be exposed. I don't know. But in my experience, no one conquers addiction alone. Does this sound familiar to anybody? God, I will never do that again. God, I will never do that again. Hey, God, are you, are you still there? Are you listening? I will never, ever do that again. If you're finding yourself saying this over and over, it's likely you need some new arrows in your quiver. It's likely you need people in your life. Here's a great quote that I read once in a book about addiction. If you don't want to get rid of the problem, confess it only to God. If you want to get rid of the problem, confess it to another person. And if you really want to get rid of the problem, keep yourself accountable. And accountability has been a great arrow in my quiver. And here's what it reminds me of. When I collect these arrows, especially when they're people, and, and, I mean, anything though, like God's word, 
it reminds me of how loving and gracious God is. Like I have these physical examples in my life, these people in my life who have manifested God, who have become his forgiveness, who, has be, who have become his mercy and his grace to me. And I have a, a relationship with God that I may have never had if, if I didn't connect with these people and them show me love and mercy and forgiveness. Here's something I want to encourage you with today. If you're battling, if you're fighting, maybe you're sitting there for the first time and, and God is bringing some things to light. Your addiction does not define who you are. Your addiction does not define who you are because if you are a follower of Christ, Christ has already given you a definition that you need to hold on to for the rest of your life and that is that you're his daughter and you're his son. And with that definition going forward, understanding that God is on your side, when you take the offensive, God is there. God takes notice when you take the offensive. People around you take notice that you are serious about defeating your addiction. And God says he's your child. He's waiting for you. He loves you. And his love will not change. Now, my addiction has shaped me, but it hasn't defined me. And there's a big difference in that for sure. So now what? I mean, where are you? What, what do you identify with this morning? I mean, maybe, maybe you're not a Christ follower. Maybe you're just checking this Jesus thing out and you came to church today and you're not sure what it's all about and you're getting more than you bargained for in this message. Here's what I want you to know. That Christ is offering himself to you. Christ is knocking on the door of your heart saying, I want to battle this with you. And you not only need to invite Christ into an area of your life that you need to overcome, but you need to just invite him into your life, period, to be your Lord and Savior. So maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're a Christ follower. Maybe, maybe you're like me. For years, no one knew. And I, I grew up in church and I know all the verses and I know all the hymns and I know how to act and I know how to behave. And, and maybe that's, maybe that's kind of what just allowed me to just push this aside and keep this a secret for so long. Because on the outside, I shined like a diamond, baby. <laughs> I really did. And, and maybe, that's, maybe that's what kind of kind of took, took me so long maybe to, uh, to wrestle with addiction. I don't know, but maybe you're a Christ follower and you have not admitted that. And, and, and you're ashamed to admit that because if you're a Christ follower, how could you have this going on? Maybe you just need to be real with yourself this morning. Maybe you need to say it for the first time. Or maybe you're a Christ follower who just has dealt with this so long, you've just accepted it as part of who you are. This is just who I'm gonna be. There's nothing I can do about it because I've tried for so long. Maybe this morning you need to consider getting some new arrows in your quiver. Maybe you need to consider taking the next step and not giving up. Maybe you're an overcomer. Maybe you 
have dealt with addiction and you have, you're on the other side and you have a victory story that somebody needs to hear. You can relate to somebody like no one else can and you need to offer yourself as an arrow in someone's quiver. And maybe God is speaking to, to you this morning about setting any kind of pride aside. And those of you who have maybe dealt with addiction, you understand pride, ugh, not your friend either. And so maybe, maybe still some of that pride is creeping in and you have a hard time sharing and you want to kind of defeat that this morning so that you can help someone else. I want to share a scripture with you to, uh, to wrap up about who, not what, should be guiding our lives. In Galatians 5, 16 through 18, it says this, living by the Spirit's power. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. There's no longer a list of do's and don'ts because you are guided by the Holy Spirit into holy living. I don't know about you, but that is what I want. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit because then I'm gonna know his perfect will for me. This morning, the band is gonna play a song. And I love this song, I love this song because it has a line in it that speaks to me every time I sing it. It says, you rescued me from all my fears and loosed the chains of wasted years. And I think about struggling with addiction and I think about the years that I feel I wasted where I wasn't following God the way I knew he wanted me to. And I beat myself up over that and finally it came to a point of forgiving myself and accepting God's full forgiveness for that and breaking the chains that said, look at what you did. Look at all the time you wasted. I'm gonna ask that you would stand. Would you stand and we're gonna sing this song and I'm just gonna go in that room right now and I'm gonna pray that all the things that are jumping off the screen that Jesus can be will become real for you today. That it will become a reality for you. That he can be your savior, your restorer, your rebuilder, and your rewarder. Let's sing together as we close the service. morning maybe you recognize the need in your life for God to become those things that we just sang I'm going to invite you there's going to be pastors down front you can come down and we can pray with you about that we can talk a little bit about that if you're brand new to Light Point 2 we would love to meet you down front and get a welcome packet in your hand but I just want to pray for us as we go can I do that would you bow your heads God if addiction robs us of all that you want us to be, then the opposite of that, being free of that, leads us into a life that is full. A life that is full of meaning. A life that has peace and joy. God, I pray that this morning we wouldn't just write off that word addiction and if we're not addicted to anything, 
we would just write the service off, but instead we would look deep into our hearts at anything that sits in your place, anything that we've put as an idol. And I, I just pray that you would challenge us with that. You would not let that go. And you would help us to deal with it. God, I thank you so much for freedom, that it is possible in you. And that you came for just that, for us to be free. I pray all these things in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Have a great day.